Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. took a big slurp of coca-cola before we started oh big mistake well i think it's exciting it adds a bit of jeopardy when is the burp coming <laughs> um sorry that there wasn't a podcast last week i was really ill mm-hmm. you were so i'm in edinburgh um my wife is working at the fringe as i think we mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago so we have decamped to scotland and um just over a week ago, I got the scariest sore throat of my life. Now, I want to say that I think probably there'll be some drifters listening to this who are thinking, but we know that you are a little bit of a big baby when it comes to illnesses and you constantly think you're dying. <laughs> right. we, we know that people will be thinking that. Listen so, to this. Someone somewhere might think that. Um. But what happened was I got the strangest sore throat of my life to the extent that my throat almost completely closed up. And my voice, what happened to it wasn't like um wasn't like when you've got a sore throat and you're kind of husky like this. Um my vocal cords were forced up, so I started speaking like that a little bit. Oh it was God. so weird. So I ended up going to A and E. And because Sarah's working, I had to take Jean with me oh. and just knowing that the wait time's at A&E. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're in for the long haul, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to A&E and sure enough, it was so busy and I couldn't even go to the vending machine because, I mean, usually that's how you pass time in an A&E, isn't it? The mm. vending machine. Mm. But I couldn't eat, I couldn't swallow anything. Oh my God. So I know. Good. They, sh- they should, um... it also struck me just, a&E, or generally hospital vending machines, it's not like they're full of healthy things, is it? Never. I, I always notice that. <laughs> but then if they were, if it was like had an apple in it or some dried mango, I'd think it was the nanny state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, it's really boring trying to pass the time in A&E because I had to have le- let Jean have my phone. Oh, well, so what were you doing? Just staring into space? Staring. Oh, I was hellish. staring into space, oh. yeah. I'll tell you what I think that one of the most competitive environments on earth is. I mean, never mind elite sports. Mm. It's the um, it's the competition for a plug socket in an A&E waiting room. I've never even tried. That's too highly competitive for me. 
Because there's one which probably they use on a Hoover most of the time. Mm, right. But everybody wants to charge their phone up because they've drained it because mm. they've been there so many hours. Mm. Um, obviously, I, I didn't get anywhere near it. Oh, oh really? Oh. I mean, look at me. Even amongst a bunch of invalids, <laughs> I, can't, I can't compete. Yeah. Um, do you ever, when you're in a waiting room, doubt your ability to hear your own name? Oh, always. Yeah. Always. Yeah, the yeah. paranoia, I'm going to miss it and have to wait another five hours. Yeah. But you'd look insane if you went over and said, I just wanted to check that they haven't called me yet and I missed it. Oh, don't. Yeah, yeah. You just have to sit there wondering. And I'm holding wheeze in just in yeah. case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Like how many chances do you get? I feel like it's they say your name three times, and then if not, you're back to you're back to the bottom of the list. But and then you don't even know the bottom of the list. No, that's the worst it, thing. The about whole thing it. is a mystery. <laughs> it is. Um, so eventually, I get in there. I'll tell you something else. I'm really bad at showing a doctor my throat. What do you mean? <laughs> I find it very because I find it very difficult to depress my tongue. Oh. Oh, no, I'm, I'm trying and I'm finding it hard. Oh, I've also yes. got like this weird thing that I've told you about the texture of wood, so I don't like wood in my mouth. So if they start using a tongue depressor, I start gagging. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so eventually the first doctor looks in my throat. And this is never good. When you see a doctor wince. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. So I thought I'd got something called epiglottitis, where your epiglottis starts to um swell up and you at risk of dying apparently you're not you don't tend to get that unless you're a child or in your 90s okay. so that was a relief but you know the little dangly thing at the back of your throat is it called your uvula okay very engorged very red covered in white spots Ooh. to the extent that it made a doctor wince Ooh. i simultaneously simultaneously felt worried and impressed yeah i mean when was the last they, time they see went? a lot of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, after Sarah gave birth, usually I would never tell a story like this, but because it's Sarah, you know, she'd be the first person to tell it. Um, after Sarah gave birth, it wasn't an uncomplicated birth. And then there were complications afterwards uh, with her undercarriage. And a few days afterwards, the health visitor came round to have a check how things were progressing. And this young woman looked down there and gasped and went, oh, my God. And they see all sorts. I mean, all yeah. sorts. <laughs> I mean, I felt that it wasn't perhaps the most professional behaviour. <laughs> if no. you think what the person, what the owner of the undercarriage might be feeling, the owner of the gossip might be feeling at the time, you might think, I'm going to suppress the oh my God. <laughs> I, I would say the same for a wince as well. Yeah, although I thought, because I, I know my own stuff and I thought, am I being a big baby coming into A&E? I felt that was really validated uh, by the doctor wincing. So yeah, maybe he that knew was, that. That was good. Yeah, yeah. maybe he just does it to everyone to make them feel good <laughs> yeah, about yeah. not wasting the doctor's time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he said, "Look, you're going to have to see a consultant, but for the time being, uh, I would have put you on some hist- antihistamines, some steroids, and some antibiotics straight away. I uh, don't want you to go anywhere. Well, we sort out those medicines. Don't go back into the waiting room. Um, so if you could just find somewhere to wait." in the pods, you know, where they take you through to. Mm. So I wasn't allowed to stay in the one behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. They needed that. For... Okay. I love it in there. I do you love like, it. You like having a curtain wrapped around you. Yeah. Mm. I'd love, I've said this before, I really love hospitals. Is that because of your mum? 
Yes. Of yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I just grew up around hospitals mm. and they just feel like the safest place in the world to oh, me. Really? Um, yeah. So anyway, so then Jean and I come out of this bay and we're looking for somewhere to, to sit. Um, and there's only one seat. This area right in front of the nurse's station is quite busy and there's only one seat. But this, then this man looks at us and says, here, please take this seat. And I'm so grateful. Mm. This man, I don't know what's up with him, but, you know, he's clearly something if he's in there. Mm. Um, but he gave up his seat. So we sat down and I thanked him really profusely. I really went over the top with the thanking. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm, that's so kind of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And he went, shall I do a Scottish accent or not? Do it. He said, it's near bother. Nice. What do you think? Nice. Very good. He says, I've been waiting for hours. They make me wait because I'm a effing junkie. <laughs> he didn't say effing, he said the yeah, profanity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love him. Well, I didn't know how to, pro- how to respond at that stage because it was right in front of the nurse's station. Mm. So the nurses were privy to the conversation. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want them to feel like I was slagging off the NHS and mm. suggesting that they would make someone, someone wait extra time you know, if they were struggling with um, drug abuse problems. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, he didn't seem like a man who would be averse to a bit of conflict in the way that I am. Oh, right. So if I said, oh, I'm sure that's not, I'm sure that's, <laughs> that was the burp, by the way. I'm sure that's not right. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think Pop, he might have enjoyed getting into it. Right. So stayed silent, right? No. Oh. Brilliant diplomat. Listen to this. This is, I should be a diplomat. I should mm. be a diplomat. I said, go on. They definitely need more chairs. Perfect. Yeah. You're bringing it back to the physical situation. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And then something even better happened. Mm. Uh, the man on, this, on the other side interrupted and said, man, I'm a junkie too. And then fist bumped him. And then they got into this whole junkie chat. So I didn't have to engage anymore. It was but, great. But did you listen to junkie chat? I I I just spent my time trying to distract Jean from the junkie uh, chat. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daddy, what's a junkie? Um, so so yeah, so that was that, and uh, I was on these pills for a few days, and I was, you know, took the full course, started getting better, and then about two days after that, I had a relapse, so I had to go and see another doctor it wasn't an a and e situation that time and do you know what a doctor loves more than anything else what's that a doctor loves looking at what the previous doctor has prescribed you and sort of going oh i'm not sure why he prescribed you that <laughs> so much reassurance from that they love it they love throwing the previous doctor under the bus it's not what i would oh that's a strange amount of time to give so anyway i'm on a bunch more antibiotics okay what I, what I would have said if the other junkie guy hadn't been there, I might have said something like, uh, hmm, see, I'm myself, I'm, I'm not a junkie, but I do struggle to moderate my eating and spending. So we probably have similar underlying issues. You're going to bond it over that. Yeah. yeah. Right, Annabelle, how's that inbox looking? Bethan has a fictional drifter for us. Oh, yeah. She says, this person, in my opinion, perfectly fits the bill. Mark Corrigan from Peep Show. He acts like a drifter in literally every single episode. 
In a very early episode, possibly the first ever, his love interest accidentally sits on his hand on the bus and Mark knows he should say something, but in the process of worrying how to broach the subject, recognises that it's already too late and just remains there with his hand under her bottom (laughs) until he is, of course, discovered and can make no reasonable explanation. In another episode, he decides the best way to express his love for someone is not with a spoken word, but by writing I love you on his eyelids. When he realises it's a bad idea, he decides the best course of action is to try not to blink at all. If that isn't drifter behaviour, <laughs> I don't know what is. Oh, it's so good. We we just recently finished re-watching the whole thing and it is spectacular peep show. Well, he can um, definitely and, go on the list. Yeah, he's very much a drifter. I remember reading, I think years and years ago, an interview with either Jesse Armstrong or Sam Bain, who created Peep Show. And they they said you know, if you ever have a story that you think I can never tell this story because nobody will understand it and everybody will think I'm too weird, then that that's where the comedy lies because it's you those things are universal but nobody talks about them. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah, great. it is, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to Sarah. She writes, A few weeks into a new job, a colleague invited me to drinks after work. She mentioned that there would be six of us in total and it would only be for one drink as most people had to get home to their children. Being glad of an opportunity to appear sociable yet commit to very little conversation, I said yes. The drinks went well and I miraculously managed to get through an hour of small talk without disaster. As the group were finishing off their drinks, I popped into the bar to use the toilet before a long journey home. I spent several moments pondering whether it would be nice to pay the tab as a thank you to everyone for being so welcoming or if it would be be too showy as if I were a secret oil baron to whom money meant nothing (laughs) and I regularly splashed the cash and looked down on those less fortunate. I eventually decided that it would be a nice gesture to pay the tab and did so on my way out. When I reached the table outside everyone was gathering their belongings and no one seemed to mention the bill. I then noticed a card receipt on the table and heard one of the group thanking another for paying. Whilst this situation would have easily been resolved by speaking to the bar staff, I couldn't think of a way of bringing it up without sounding like I wanted to take the glory for paying for everyone's drinks. Instead, I did what I expect most drifters would do and timidly said, oh, yeah, thanks for the drinks and went home. (gasps) (laughs) I've since realised that I have many examples throughout my life where I pay for things unnecessarily to avoid awkwardness and wonder whether being a drifter is the most expensive personality type. <laughs> oh, I think it probably is. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's um, a strong relate from me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is from Noble Lord Andrew. Hearing Jeff's story about the 2010 Latitude Festival a couple of weeks ago reminded me of my own buried memory from the 2008 Latitude. I was just finishing my first year of university and I got wind that I could get free tickets to the festival, separate campsite and separate entrance if I just worked behind the bar for six hour shifts each day to raise money for the Labour Party. How hard could that be? Extremely hard. I had no experience of working behind the bar. I was not adventurous with what I drank, so I had no idea what was on offer or what that would look like. It said there would be training, but that amounted to being shown around by someone with slightly more experience for five minutes, mostly showing where the toilets were. And then it was, so off you go. If I had slightly more confidence or any mental arithmetic skills whatsoever, I might have survived. But this was before cards were taken everywhere. It was cash only. My first customer asked for a cocktail from the menu by name. Everyone else behind the bar was busy and at a loss, I asked the customer what was in the cocktail. 
They looked slightly confused and then changed their order to a Pims and Lemonade. Luckily, that was £5 and they paid with a £10 note, so I could do the change fine for them. On to the next customer. He wants a real ale. Fantastic. There was someone else whose job it was to pour that, so I went back, got them one and returned nice and quick. He smiled. A normal transaction. But then horror. The real ale was £3.70. He gave me a £10 note. As I sit right in this, I think I can work out eventually what change he needed. But standing there in a damp field, panicked by all the social interaction, I just stared at the note for what seemed like a minute. I then went slowly back to the change box. I knew he would need a fiver, but after that, it was anyone's guess. In my head, I quickly reasoned that he would be less angry at being given too much change than too little change, so I would err on the side of caution. I must have given him at least £9 change. It might have been more than a tenner. I picked up the fiver, a few pound coins and rand and silver. When I returned the change, I handed it over as confidently as I could. He looked at the change and walked away slowly. I could see his cogs whirring, deciding whether to reason with me or not. And luckily for me, he did not. After this and a couple more similar interactions, I decided I needed to get away from serving people before I bankrupted the festival and the (laughs) Labour Party. I stood at the back and looked as uncomfortable as possible, like I was having a panic attack, until the supervisor came over. I made out that I had some disease that meant I couldn't do maths. Oh, we're all bad at maths. Just do your best. No, I really can't. <laughs> she gave me a pitying look and managed to get me on the machine that poured the cider 20, 20 cups at a time. <laughs> it was really backbreaking, boring, repetitive work. But the lack of social interaction meant I was both in a lot of pain and also guarding that station like a jealous dragon on a heap of gold for the next three days. <laughs> the next year, I paid for my ticket. Magnificent. Uh, Please send us your stories. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. I've just noticed the time and I think it's time for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. So something's happened. I have broken the Drifter code in such a terrible way that I may have to resign from the podcast. What? Yeah. So I'm what gonna happened? T- well, I'm going to tell you what happened. Have you and- found your confidence? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened and then you can decide. I'm going to give as much background as I can to explain the terrible thing I did. So I go to the hairdressers around twice a year. Despite all the awkwardness involved, I see it as a treat because I do actually love getting my hair washed. I love the head massage and I love having my dry, straggly hair cut off. And I also love having it nicely blow dried and looking nice and polished for around two weeks of the year. (laughs) And I've begun to get quite desperate to have my hair cut. So when I called up and found that my usual hairdresser was on holiday for the next two weeks, I asked for anyone else who cost the same price. I didn't have a huge amount of loyalty to my usual one because I've only been to her three times before. So it didn't feel like a massive big deal to me. And I was so desperate not to miss my appointment that when my son's holiday camp called about an hour before I was due to go, saying that I had to pick him up because he'd been poked in the eye and there was a big red bit and it probably needed to get looked at, I got my boyfriend to take him to the emergency eye clinic. 
So I'm meeting this new hairdresser, a bit nervous about that. I'm also a bit worried about my son's eye and I've got my phone in my lap so that Tom could call me with any news. And I felt like I should probably mention this to the hairdresser. But then I got really paranoid that she judged me for going to get my hair done while my four-year-old was in A&E. So I didn't. Now, she asked me what I want done, and I never have a good answer for this. I just hold up the dry ends and then say, well, I don't know, what do you think? I feel like at at 47, I should know what I want to do with my hair, but I don't. I just don't have the vocabulary for it. I have got a picture in my phone of like a time I had my hair cut three or four times ago. And I just show them that. What a great idea, because you're not showing them a picture of someone else, because apparently they don't like that. You're showing them a picture no, of yourself. No, but also, you know, you're not doing that thing where you say, make me look like a celebrity. Yes, like, yes. You know you don't look like a celebrity. You haven't got the bone structure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you brain. won't look like, yeah. I love so I that. just, I just, every few haircuts, I take a picture of myself and think, oh, I'll use that for the next time I go to the hairdresser. Oh, I'm going to do that. That's going to help me out so much. Because you... I, I have to keep updating it because I don't want them to think, oh, I can't make you look younger, mate. <laughs> Actually, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear people of a certain age saying, oh, I wouldn't go back to being young again. I love being, feeling comfortable in my own skin and knowing what I want in life now. Quick question. What age does that happen? Because I, I, no, I'm nowhere I have no near idea. that yet. No. no, maybe never for us. So I get the distinct impression that the hairdresser is irritated by me not knowing what to do. And she sort of says, well, do you still want to wear it up sometimes? Okay, well, I'll cut it to this length. Then I go off to get my hair washed by someone else. That's all fine. Although she does ask me if I want a head massage. And I don't want to be asked. I just want her to do it. Because by asking me, it makes me feel like both an inconvenience and a pervert if I say yes. I just (laughs) want her to do it. You see, for me, I would feel more like I was turning down... Uh, a special skill that they had. Oh. I don't want a head massage, oh. but I don't want to say, man, no thanks, you're all right, because it, it, it would be perceived as insulting. Yeah, I don't think you'd be very good at it or something. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, God, it's too much. So the haircut she does itself is fine because she doesn't speak to me at all. That's great. I am slightly paranoid that she hates me and is annoyed that I keep checking my phone, but I'm still not willing to say that my son is in hospital. The problem starts with the drying. In all the years I've had my hair dried at hairdresser, they've always asked me first how I want it done. And I do actually know what to ask for now. I ask for a bouncy blow dry because my old hairdresser, don't laugh, my old old hairdresser told me that's what it's called. And you can say that with a straight face. I do feel embarrassed, but I know that it's the vocabulary. I know it's what what they say. Do you you have to say, oh, I I believe it's called a... I say it in a slightly embarrassed tone. I I go like this. Oh, could I have a bouncy blow dry please like that right 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 but she doesn't ask me so this bouncy blow dry i like because it's a nice blow dry it's quite sleek but it's got these kind of like nice bouncy kind of waves and my hair is naturally a bit wavy so that that's what i like she doesn't ask me she just dries it completely poker straight like almost quite angrily attacking my hair with the brush (laughs) and i hate my hair poker straight because of my coloring it can make me look quite witchy and i can see she's doing it but i don't say anything until the end. What? She holds the mirror up behind me. And suddenly it's all just too much for me. The excitement about my twice yearly nice blow dry. My son in hospital. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other excuses. Don't really have any. I don't say what everyone says, which is looks great. Lovely. Thank you. I say, oh, I really don't like my hair that straight. What? I know. She doesn't take it well either. She gets quite happy. I mean, I thought like the most extreme you might say is, uh, I think it it could be a bit bouncier. A bit bouncier. 
<laughs> but she, like she, the word bouncy hasn't even come up. She didn't even ask me. She gets quite huffy. She says she can get one of the girls to curl it for me, but I'm so mortified by what I've said. I just want to go. So I do just go. <laughs> and do I tip her? Yeah, of course I do. Of course you do, yeah, yeah. Will I ever go back? <laughs> of course I won't. Did I feel better for being honest? Absolutely not. I do not recommend it. <laughs> I wondered if the fact that she hadn't spoken to me had made a difference. Is this why hairdressers chat to form a bond so you don't complain at the end? I did wonder that because I think I'd have been less likely to say something if we'd been having a nice chat and I got mm. to know her and she'd got to know me. And says a lot about your view of your fellow human being that you it? would think that was the reason that somebody would speak to you. <laughs> Why else would someone talk to me? I honestly can't think of any other reason. Anyway, let me know. Should I resign? What do you think? Um, well, I'll, Yellow I'll, card, we'll, maybe. We'll, we'll have to take a vote on it. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> 'll finished last night for good yeah it was the last oh, okay. ever episode it okay. was spe- spectacular I mean it's just astonishing television and the the person I know apart from me and Sarah who loves it in the same way is Gareth our old producer oh yeah so I wanted to text him about it because I wanted to I wanted to have an interaction with somebody about it mm. But I also knew that um, his girlfriend was due to have a baby about three weeks ago, oh. and I hadn't received hadn't received any text oh. saying, "Oh, the baby was born on such and such a day," yeah, or yeah. I hadn't seen a Facebook post or anything. What do you do in that situation? Oh, well, you can't, you can't text. You have to wait, and because yeah, you just unless you text and say, "How's it going." And then say, oh, and. But no, it's, it's obviously yeah. the only reason you're texting us about a better call, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's difficult. I sent a text saying, um, oh, uh, are you a father of two now? Is everything okay? And then and everything was, and then I got to talking about better call Saul. Okay. But that felt like such a high stakes text mm. to send mm-hmm. just to be able to talk about a TV programme. <laughs> yeah. But it is that good. Man. It's it's so good. You you stopped watching it, didn't you? Oh, I don't know what happened there. Like season three, I can't even remember. I'm always yeah. abandoning things. I'm terrible. It's very weird, very weird behaviour to me. I know. It's, it's not like you're doing all this other stuff. I know. I know. I can't explain it. Don't ask me to explain it. Let's and just leave what, it. And you watch some right old rubbish. I do. I totally do. I know. Yeah. I really yeah. do. I've um. I've been a little bit worried about you. Oh, go on. Why? Just with the um, with the energy prices, because I know that you're on this um, coin meter, and I've been worried that a criminal gang <laughs> might like track your movements going to the bank to get a bag of coins, <laughs> and you know, like they do with uh, 
with with vans taking gold bullion to Fort Knox or wherever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they might intercept you. No, it's not. Money you gonna... It's not an issue because I've got one of those uh, pound coins that I've drilled a hole into with a piece <laughs> of string, and I put it in and then I pull it out again. So it's actually empty all the time. <laughs> they seem to fall out of fashion, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, what else was I going to talk to you about? Oh, um, we went to Loch Ness. Oh, and did you tell me? Eugene thinks he saw something moving close to the surface of the water. Is that good enough for you and good enough for him? Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah, I mean, uh, the world's media didn't seem terribly interested in that, but (laughs) yeah, I think that's enough. Um, We 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 went out on a boat on Loch Ness, and we also went to like an exhibition centre, and. I tell you what's really gone out of fashion as well as pound coins with holes drilled on them mm. to trick vending machines and phone boxes and things um, is hoaxes. Hoaxes. So with like Loch Ness, there was a big oh, game hunter yeah. who basically took an umbrella stand that was at a, a rhino's foot <laughs> and made footprints and convinced the world okay. he'd found the monster's footprints. But also, yeah. you know, uh, Hitler diaries, these kind of things. Those girls these... who did those fairies, like all things yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. Why don't people do hoaxes so much anymore? If at all. I don't know. I Maybe don't it's because it was too easy to disprove them now. <laughs> you, yeah, you can probably test those photos of fairies a bit more easily. Maybe. I think it's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. It's taking um, all the magic out of the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We need a few more liars. <laughs> yeah. Willing to uh, exploit the naive public mm. is what we need. Anyway, it was a really good trip. But then on the train on the way back, um, you know, we got loads of bags and jeans little, and it was quite a long journey, like, I don't know, three, four hours, whatever it is, from um, Inverness to Edinburgh. So I made sure that we got a table seat, Mm -hmm. we get on the train, it's completely full, and there's somebody else in the seats. Oh, no. This is awful. But but then I um, I talked to the train manager. Yeah, obviously, I'm not going to speak to people sitting in those seats. No, no, obviously. I couldn't do that. No. Um, And she says, oh, no, those seats, you know, they're they're not your seats. What? And I'm looking at the booking, and there it is in front of me. And she gives me some... um, story about because i've booked on like the the national train line website and not on the individual train company's website uh the the reservations aren't good and then she says you know but the next time you come uh if you just book on the scott rail website you'll be fine at which point i am so enraged i say the most ridiculous thing go on i say i'm never coming to inverness again You must have been so angry. I mean, doesn't that just sound like the most ridiculous, flouncy, petulant. overly dramatic, <laughs> petulant? I'm never coming again. You won't be seeing me around these parts. <laughs> so uh, that's that's uh, one way in which I embarrassed myself. Did you ever sit on the floor? Days. There's a story, but I'm not going to get into oh, it. Okay, okay. We, we, it all worked out fine as okay. the headline. Okay, yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, I don't want to get into the weeds of it. It's too okay. boring. Okay, okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, so here we are. We're in this flat in Edinburgh. So a lot of people in Edinburgh during the month of August, they rent out their homes to people working at the fringe. So we're staying in a flat. And it's great because you piece together clues about people. Oh, I love that so much. 
their YouTube history. Right. On the telly. Um, the pictures that they've got on the walls, the books mm. they've got on the shelves. I mean, they've they've gone to quite some lengths to make it anonymous, but I think I've got a fair a fair grasp on who these people are. And there is, of course, that one locked room. Oh, is there? With all, yeah. with all their stuff in it, yeah. You yeah. tried to get into it, yeah? Yeah, because it's a combination lock, and I mean, I've... <laughs> it's only three numbers. By the end of August, you're going to get there, I promise I mean, you. That is, that is only, like, a, what, 1,999 um, combinations. I could do that in a couple of days, couldn't I? Well, if you were very dedicated, we could just do, like, 20 a day for the month or something. Yeah, well, we've only got a week and a half left. But anyway, mm. maybe maybe that's what I'd love to have a look in that, that mm. room. Do you remember, I can't remember this is since the podcast started or not, there's a place we go to on holiday in the States. We've not been for a couple of years, but we, we used to go to a lot called Shelter Island. Oh, yeah. And do you, do you remember us renting a house and um, the, the owner not having tidied up some of their things? Does this ring a bell? Was there something unsavoury they'd left out? Yes. yes so I on the remember. bed, there was a vibrator. Yes, yes. And I had to contact her. Oh, God. And say, there was, a, I can't remember what phrase I used. It was something like an adult item. <laughs> adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. A personal adult item. Yeah. You see, that was very undriftery of me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't it want to didn't... touch it. I didn't want to touch it and move it. <laughs> well, you just left it there and made someone come get it. Well, I, th- I think there was some other reason they needed to come and sort oh, something out. okay. And while you're here... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's weird to leave that on the bed. It's almost like they did it on purpose. That's strange. Oh, what, you think they get a kick out of yeah, that? Yeah, I do. They get a kick out of like seeing what people call it when they email... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got another personal adult item. <laughs> oh, and I've told you about there was this other house we we rented once there, and the owner was like, the, "These people with the adult item were really nice and very embarrassed about it." But okay. the, this other place we rented, the owner was so terrible. Like, I mean, it, just far too much communication, very bombastic, too many instructions. And there was this day there was a dead raccoon in the swimming pool. What? Yeah, so this raccoon, I'd been noticing this raccoon and it go down onto the steps of the swimming pool and uh, sip at the water and then go again. And I was like, how cute. And I'd be making little videos of it. And then I sent it to a friend and they said, oh, it's got rabies. And then sure enough, it was dead in the pool the next day. Oh, floating. No. So we had to contact him to get this dead raccoon removed. And I mean, he was just awful. He was just like a hideous man. Um, now, the other thing about this particular island... <laughs> is they're very stringent about rubbish disposal for environmental reasons because it's an island. So you've got to do very specific things with your rubbish. Uh, And if rubbish is larger than a certain amount, you have to take it to the local tip and so on. So every year we subsequently went back. We never stayed in that flat again. But at the end of every holiday, under the cover of darkness at midnight, we would sneak to his back garden and put all our rubbish in his bins so that he'd get fined off the council. (laughs) Have I never told you that? No. Sarah would like park, I don't know, 50 metres down the road or something and then do like a stealth run while I, <laughs> while I kept watch. <laughs> That's how petty I am. I love it. If you don't handle a dead raccoon properly, mm-hmm. be warned. Yeah. Right, quandary corner at the Glap Clinic. Not in problematic this week. 
Uh, I, I haven't got enough imagination reserves left in the bank to right. give this. I'm sitting in my son's bedroom in this rented flat. Okay. Doesn't inspire me. I'm just in my living room at home. Doesn't inspire me either. I'm sure we've given it a name before, but with our memories, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's get straight to it. Rachel says, I was on a flight the other day. I was in the back row, right near the loose. I got the cheapest ticket I could. And so was in a row of just two people. My fellow passenger was by the window, or rather windows, plural, as there were two adjacent to our row. One slightly in front of the seat and one slightly behind. I was in the aisle seat. So she closed the blinds. But I was on a 24-hour journey back to the UK and wanted to stay up and awake for the first part of the trip. So I wanted them open. My question is, who has rights over the windows and blinds? Are they both hers because she's sitting next to them or can I have a say too? And if I can have a say, can it be for both or do we have to share them one each? Although there's not a huge amount of point about that. Please advise. Hmm. I have wondered this before, like whose is it and and are you allowed to say anything? Yeah, I mean... I think it'd be very difficult to say something. I, th- I think, I don't think it's fair, but I think the blinds belong to the person in the window seat. And that's my instinct. That's what I've always... To do with what they choose, yeah. I think I've wanted to say something before, when more when they've closed yeah. them and I want them open. But I've thought, well, not much I can do about that. Is there, It's theirs. They're the window You know, you've got, you've got the easy access to the toilet without making anyone move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe when they need to climb over you in the night and have to wake you up, you can say, you can only get past me if I can open the blind. (laughs) Try that, maybe. I don't know. Because how how would you broach the situation? I mean, this is it. I think it's an impossible conversation to have. Yeah. You could explain. I mean, I suppose a normal person might be able to explain they wanted to stay awake. Would it be possible to have the the blinds open for, let's say, windows and blinds open for a bit? Or should we have one each? But who could do that? Not me. You could ask the cabin crew. Hmm. You could ask them that question. Oh, whose is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if then then either you could say to them, could you ask the person in thirty four C or A or whatever it would be to uh, to open theirs for me? Or you would have that. You know, you would have the authority say. Look, I wasn't sure, so I checked with the cabin crew, but the, the rule is... Oh, no, 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 no. I, th- I think just suffer in silence. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry. But that is the rule. I mean, that you know, some, sometimes what you hear on here, you're not going to like, but that is the rule. That is the rule. Okay, let's go on to Jamie, who starts his email. Hi, Glap, supreme overlords of social rules. I included that because I liked it. I really like it. That's you know, yeah, gives yeah. me some kind of sense of status, yeah, which I yeah. sorely lack. Something to put on my CV. In other aspects to, of my life. To, to fill the last six years. <laughs> I have a quandary related to this current hot weather. Is it okay to apply sunscreen on public transport? I keep forgetting about it before leaving the house. I don't want to get burned, but the act of oiling up my exposed body parts in public makes me feel like I'm some sort of sex pest. Do I just accept my fate and burn? Help. Yeah, you can't be doing that. I see people doing it, and I think it's completely inappropriate. Oh, do you in every situation? Like, what if it's a what? Is it depend on how many people? I'm thinking tube carriage. If it's just you and the other person, it's it, fine, it is. Isn't it? It's a, it's strange behaviour. It is. It, it, I mean, 
I, I don't know if I would have been able to narrow it down to sex pests, but I've seen people do it, like lather themselves up in um, like cocoa butter, and I'm thinking, what's what's going on here? This is too sensual an experience to be having. <laughs> okay. Well, the fact you've had sensual mass transit makes me wonder whether to ask the next question because I was trying to like work out what you had against it. And I was going to say, do you have any issues with people putting makeup on on public transport? Oh, you do? No, I don't think I do. You don't, I think, don't think so? No, no, it's the it's the rubbing in just, of lotion. Yeah, that's it's just the yeah. face for makeup. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's like you're touching too much of your own body if you're doing yes. sunscreen. It feels. I know that it is actually. Just a safe activity, but it feels like a luxurious activity. Luxurious. <laughs> Rubbing stuff into your skin. Yeah. Okay. And it is, you know, the length of your body. Mm. It I mean, depends. Maybe you've just, put, you just pop well. it a bit on the end of your nose. Yeah, fine. Yeah. But if you're going like right from your toes up to your groin, that's an absolute no. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Sorry, I feel that on, on yeah. both counts here no. this week. We've... Uh, giving people information that they they don't want and will be difficult to stomach. But there, there you go. That's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, although God knows, I mean, probably people won't send them in now after those harsh truths that this week's contributors uh, now have to swallow. Um, But if you have a Quandary quandary Corner or a story for us, email us at hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett took our photo... And I'll just finish this week by saying, oh, uh, oh, thank, thanks for the drinks. So this podication, do you remember a few months ago, there was someone whose dog Alfie was going to be put down? Yes. It's a follow-on from that. Great. Okay. Podication time. And this comes from Henry, who says, Hi, Jeff. Hi, Annabelle. Hi. Hi. Hope you're all safe and well. Uh, I'm not sure if a repeat podication and... Sorry. Start that again. Podication time. And this comes from Henry. Henry Rawlings, who says, Hi, Jeff. Hi, Annabelle. Hi. Hi. Hope you're safe and well. I I think... uh, I'm on the mend, and I think we're safe, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, how is Rudy's eye, by the way? Oh, it's fine, yeah. Thanks for asking. It's fine. That's okay. I would have asked after we stopped recording, but it just popped into my head then. Um, Henry says, I'm not sure if a repeat podication sets a dangerous precedent. Well, I think that precedent has long since been set, Henry, so don't let it trouble you. Um, but in late March, you both spoke most kindly about my dog, Alfie. I do remember this. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, It's been a strange few months without my shadow, but his legacy lives on. To which end, I'm walking the 64 miles of the Serpent Trail in Sussex in his memory and to raise funds for two causes close to my heart. 
Canine Arthritis Management is an online resource providing advice and support to owners and professionals. And VetLife provide an emotional support helpline for all those in the vet industry. I've heard that um, in terms of your own mental well-being, it's a really difficult industry to be in. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, because of the euthanizing. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think you know, um, obviously in a vet, sometimes, a vet, sometimes you can give people good news and, and you can do amazing things. But um, a lot of the time you're seeing people at their saddest and, and you're providing a service which is, you know, a difficult mm. choice for people. And I mm. think, you know, um, the, the vast majority of vets, I think, must do that in a very sort of compassionate and humane way. But um, I, th- I think it's I think it's hard. I think it's a hard job to do from that perspective. Um, Henry continues to ensure it's not a jolly. I've pledged to clear the trail of any dog leavings. I find oh, very good. That is good. I've got no problem picking up um, dog. My my dog's mess, but other just just random dog mess, especially when it's cold. Oh, it should oh. be better when it's cold, it's, but why is it it's, worse? It's ridiculous. It's so much more. Just, my own dogs, fine, hot, cold, whatever. And other dogs, and especially if it's cold, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. And it's still just so pure, weird. Mm. So weird. Um, and I will be using Alfie's piggy bank to provide treats for any dogs we meet. Lovely. If anyone's interested in either organisation, um, their contact details are on justgiving.com stroke crowdfunding stroke Alfie dash Rawlings. Um, maybe we could put that in the show notes yes, if I remember. That would be good. Uh, and you could pop it on Facebook as well, maybe. Yeah. There's much more about raising awareness than money. Oh, sorry. This is much more about raising awareness than money and even more about remembering an, an awesome dog friend. Many thanks, Henry and Alfie. Well, what a, uh, what a lovely way of both honouring Alfie and what an uh, important and wonderful part of your life he was, but also doing good as well. This is fantastic. I shall, um, in fact, I'm going to click, click the link now, Annabelle. Oh, microphone's fallen over because I'm busy clicking links. I'm, I'm going to do a little, I'm, I'm going to um, add a little something, I think. Because that is a fantastic cause. And um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you don't find too many dog leavings. <laughs> especially not cold ones. Along the, especially not yeah. cold ones. And there we go. Uh, that's the latest edition of the podcast. Podicated to Henry and the late great Alfie. And um, yeah, enjoy that serpent trail. I don't know much about it. I think I've heard it, but you've heard it mentioned, but that's about it. 64 miles sounds like a lot though. Mm. Um, so yeah, you've got to put your feet in a bowl of water after that, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Henry. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll make a little donation now. And if you would like a podication, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Lovely, great. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.